0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the
1: inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the View from the Cop podcast on the Blood Red channel. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and I'm delighted to be joined by a trio of Liverpool fans, two of whom you will know very well by now. That's Dan Kay. Hello there. And Paul Philbin. Hello. And one who we are welcoming onto this podcast for the first time, Peter Harris. Hello. Not your first podcast, though, is it, mate? It's you- not, not just... Because <laughs> <laughs> you did appear alongside our departed Liverpool FC correspondent, James Pearce, uh, Brian Reid, uh, G- George Sefton and Peter Hooten on the Rouse last week. Did you enjoy that?
2: I did very much so. It was quite yeah, quite the committee as it was to uh, a <laughs> of <laughs> yeah. Big story, names. Stories yeah. of old, uh, yeah, listening to all tales, what it was really like in from covering Anfield in the press room to the actual Anfield Stadium uh, announcement. So, yeah, it was great fun
1: good stuff if you've not listened to that it is on ACAST or any of your podcast providers I think we published it on, on Saturday night it's a really good listen Let's talk about Liverpool then. European champions, probably the only team next season who you would say have, have got a, a really good chance of taking that title off Manchester City. But if, if you look at social media at the moment, it's all talk about transfers. And, and in some parts, there's, there's a little concern that there's, you know, the club has not really spent yet in this uh, summer transfer window. And like, I'm not saying that's a barometer of, of things, you know. but what do you reckon, lads? Are you surprised that there hasn't been any, like, any serious business yet? I can't say I am to be honest. I mean, I would maybe be slightly surprised if we got to the end
0: of August and there was nothing, but, you know, for a start, our season finished very late. First <laughs> of June, the the, the, fin- the final being when it was obviously the, the the homecoming the day after. Um, and the reality is we're not in the position that we have been in previous summers when there's glaring deficiencies in the squad that need to be addressed. Now, you know, I've, I always wheel like out this old line, you know, you should strengthen when you're strong and, you know, I, you know, I would personally always like to see just one or two fresh races brought in just to freshen up the dressing room and the general vibe around the club. But there's no point spending money just for the sake of it, particularly when the market, is, as is the case every year, is so overinflated. So I you know, I think Liverpool's transfer strategy and transfer setup, now, I don't, I don't think it's an over-exaggeration to say is the envy of many clubs in football. And I think we all have to kind of... I, I think they deserve our trust and our respect for the way they've handled things over the last... Certainly, you know, the last three, four years. Um, so, if they if you know, I've got every confidence that if they feel that the right deal is around for them, either in this window or the next one, then they'll do whatever business that they feel is appropriate.
3: Dan's absolutely spot on there. Um, if you're going to spend money this summer, it's like look, you look at our starting 11. You're gonna, if you need to strengthen that, you're spending well over 100 million now, aren't you? Like, Easy.
1: Mm. On one
3: player. On, yeah. On, yeah. on just one player, that is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're European champions. Like We've got one of the best sides, if not the best starting 11 in Europe. And, and I know it's cliche, but we've got new signings with the likes of Oxlade Chamberlain coming back to fitness, um, Rianne Brewster, and Klopps even said about the line of being involved. So we're in a position there where you look at our, what would it be, well, 23? where You're happy mm-hmm. with, to go with that at the start of the season? Obviously, you want a few fresh faces just to give a, give a bit of a new edge to the uh, to training and stuff. But if from August to December, at the end of December, we went with that, the 23 players that you'd imagine be, that would be involved, I wouldn't be too fussed about it. Um, Obviously, the left-back issues are one where who is Robertson's understudy. There's talks of Adam Lewis being brought up into the first team. But, yeah, I'm happy with where we are. And at the end of the day, it, as we all know, it's only been five weeks since we were all partying in Madrid. So, <laughs> and even though, if you look on Twitter, people are stressing about it. It's not as if Klopp and the transfer committee and whatnot are just sitting there with their feet up they're working on they will be working on things they've got to have some kind of plan, and they will do just don't worry if things happen it happens and if it doesn't we've, we've got a great squad
2: yeah unfortunately you can't really buy luck with injuries which is probably if, if Klopp could he probably would and that's the one thing mm. missing regardless is it going to get a player better than Mane probably not It's going to get a player better than Salah probably not for You you can go down the list and then that's before you get right down to Van Dijk and, and Alisson um, it's easy to look at other clubs and see what they've done so far. Even fans looking at the business Real Madrid are doing in terms of Europe, it's you know astronomical money. But Liverpool, for a while, have been a lot smarter than that, and they've been more determined in what players they want to get. And it's not like nothing's been done because it's new contracts is more important right now, and the youngsters that they look to build in and depth of squad a lot more exciting than some of the rumours that've been circling.
1: So I think it's a great point, isn't it? Because like it, it's like it really underlines what job like Klopp and even before he came to the club, what Edwards and the recruitment team have done—that really smart business. It, it it almost feels like now the club can be reactive you know, or not, not reactive, active, sorry, you know, in the respect that if a top target that they've obviously identified over a longer time comes available, they can do it. The money's there. Mm. It, it doesn't feel like, certainly not like a Manchester United situation where you think God needs five or six. It it just feels like now nah, you can take the time, be calm. And when that <clears> right <throat> target becomes available, move. Exactly. And, and, you know, I'd, I'd
0: back up what, what Paul said there about, I've absolutely no doubt that they will be working on things behind the scenes. <clears throat> and I think one thing that we've seen in certainly the last 18 months to two years, we haven't had these like long drawn out sagas through the media and the press every day. There's a new kind of back and forth, which, and it might get sleek, that incredible first that a lot of supporters have for it, but it's, it's not really the way to do business. And in the last couple of seasons, we've seen, you know, the likes of Fabino, signed, sealed announced just out of the blue, it was an old school cloak and dagger yeah, to face a complete Liverpool deal they even were, Van
3: Dyke, when Van Dijk yeah, had a man yeah. sat in ours and it was just like two days before New Year or something yeah, 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 oh yeah, yeah. It it supposed supposed dropped, and there's a picture <laughs> of Van Dijk <laughs> in a house or something Like it sounds mad but the Van Dyke saga could be the best thing to happen mm. it was the
0: watershed, shed I think yeah
3: Liverpool saying "Oh, we're not looking at somebody or whatever they might not be but there's a chance that they want to keep everything in house. house yeah. and Imagine the excitement for fans who are stressing over these transfers If something gets pulled out of the bag And happy days then And people go There's no doubt Or for me anyway If people are going into the new season Norwich on that Friday night And worrying the fact that if we don't sign anybody That's a bad thing They're absolutely mad We've, We're we good enough And any signings that come in An absolute bonus in my eyes So
0: yeah just just enjoy the ride I think the other thing I'd add to that, sorry to jump in, is that the um, what we're realistically looking for is is adding depth to the squad. And that is, that is I think, one of the hardest aspects of a, of a, a club like Liverpool in terms of the recruitment and strengthening now, because it's quite a difficult pitch to is to come in and say, listen, we want you to come in and play for us, but you're not going to necessarily be first choice. Mm. So to, to actually uh, you know, attract the calibre of player that you're looking for... I'm not saying it's an impossible sell. Um, <clears throat> I think possibly that was kind of one of the sales that was put to the likes of Shaqiri last season when he came in, I don't think he expected that he's going to be playing 45 games. But for the right kind of players, if they've got the right type of mentality, that if you know, if it was me, I'd rather play 20, 25 games at the very top of the game, competing for the top honours, rather than playing 40 to 45 games bumbling around the middle of the league or, or trying to stay up. But again, that that's another aspect that just makes it... makes transferred you know the transfer business Liverpool are involved in not maybe as straightforward as maybe some supporters would like it to be
3: the the people who were calling for these transfers are also the same people who are call, calling for Harry Wilson to be given a go Rhian Bruce has been given a go like, <laughs> you can't have both <laughs> yeah. come on pick like, we'll have, yeah. take a <laughs> and just
1: stick with it Peter like you know you look at the players who are available as well you know we see the names Nicola Pepe uh, Dembele from Barcelona it's just not realistic, is it? You know, you would. Why would a club go and spend 80, 90 million or the figures being quoted to bring a player? Who in all honesty, yeah, he may improve the squad, but he's not going to play. Yeah, you know, do, team, do, do yeah. you know? I think it's Allison and Van Dyke, the classic example. If you're going to pay that big money, it's a game changer. It's someone who's going to transform the team.
2: Yeah, it's that name you want. Like, there's no second second choice isn't good enough. You want that one player to go straight into your team and not to just sit on the bench, not to play a couple of games just to help out. You want that big name, big money player to be there on the team sheet from the off. And in particular with Dembele from Barcelona, Barcelona paid a lot of money for him uh, not too long ago. His rumoured release clause is massive. Um, It doesn't strike me as a figure that Liverpool would be willing to pay. and that's before you get to the front. Of, do they actually want a player like that um, when they've got the players that they've currently got?
1: Well, what is clear, the players they do want is, are young players. You know, they've, they've brought in Seth Vandenberg. It looks like uh, the club are going to sign Harvey Elliott from Fulham, I was reading about today on a, I think this is Anfield site, and a lot of the Fulham players were absolutely raving about him, like what a talent he is in the, the training sessions he had last season. And it kind of comes back to that point we were making a moment ago. It's Maybe the club are looking... With everyone here and and fans around the world are looking at this window, who's going to sign, who's going to sign? It sounds like Edwards, Klopp and the the team are looking maybe two, three windows down the the line Mm. thinking, well, these lads aren't particularly going to be ready now. But you know what? In a few years, Van Dijk will be 31, for instance. You know, it seems like they're so far ahead in their recruitment. Now they can actually target these 17, 16, 17-year-olds.
0: and I think it's, a kind of a, it's the kind of approach that I think makes a lot of sense. You know, Liverpool, have, you know, for years applied a lot of money into the academy setup, and obviously are looking to redevelop that further now, with the the work that's going on at Kirby at the moment to basically move everything everything to there. But in terms of what we were saying before about you know how do you improve an exceptional first team, which you know is is. I would argue with anyone is as good as anything in Europe at the minute. The European champions could very easily become Premier League champions and obviously we hope will be next season. By bringing in these young players that <clears throat> hopefully will improve under Klopp's tutelage and with, the, and with the good players around them, it also kind of, and by not wasting money on players that you don't necessarily lead, just to tick that box, to, you know, to say to a certain sector of fans, going, look, we've, we've brought in another 30, 40 pound £50 million pound player that it seems like the media the transfer kind of industry around football almost demands that every club does nowadays I kind of think Liverpool deserve applauding for some, uh, to some degree for not feeling the pressure to, to, to bow to that and come into it but what it means as well is that like we mentioned just before when the right type of player the player that the club really wants and we now know that he is absolutely he's quite stubborn and he will he will wait till the player that he wants to come available <clears throat> if you have been prudent with your finances up to that point it means that you can then if if the right deal the right player does come along you can splurge and go right yeah bang 70 million this is the right guy for us because you haven't just been throwing the cash around to kind of tick boxes for for people and and yeah I've, I've got no, no issues with, with, with how we're doing it whatsoever
3: Last season's starting 11 maybe was quite new as well mm-hmm. so why would you throw a load of new players in when they're they're actually still bedding and they're only going to get better. I, you could see at the end of last season, Fabinho was well and truly in. Even Van Dyke to an extent, had only he hadn't been there that long, eighteen, had months, 18, 18 months, months. So he, he was Successful. still better in. So why not just stick to this core that you've got, and then just if you're going to bring people in, improve the bench and make that stronger. Like Davide for example, who came in the second half of the season, he didn't have a sniff over the first half, but. If he plays regularly enough over the season, he's going to get 15, 20 goals. Mm. We've got him there. He's at, That's fine. And there's a second-choice striker. If you're getting offer that, you could, you're taking it. Mm. Absolutely. The likes of Chamberlain, when he comes back in and he's fully fit, he's going to chip in with goals. As well, security again. Brewster? Brewster. He'll he'll he will get chances, you'd imagine. So it's all there. If they had happy days, but they don't necessarily
1: need to. First friendly's coming up on Thursday at Samia. Yeah, and I think it was reading earlier today that Origi, at the moment, is the only kind of fit and available senior staker. That's because Manet's still in the Africa Cup of Nations. Firmino and Salah are obviously going off on the holidays now after the, they've played for the for the country. Sturridge is gone. There's Bruce there. There's Wilson Kent, we'll come to in a minute. I'll ask a bit more about young players. But. Does that sit easily with you? You know, Origi for the full season, no problem. But do you think maybe one more is needed there? And I'm not just, I might be contradicting what we've just been saying earlier, but just in terms of numbers, would you be satisfied? Or do you think them, if there is any kind of strength and depth needed apart from left-back, is it just maybe another option up there? Possibly. I mean, we've
0: we've talked for a while, haven't we, about, you know, over the, certainly over the course of the last season, a few times, how kind of like the drop-off, you know, that we've been lucky to disagree agreeing that Salah, Mane and Firmino, by and large, have stayed injury free or you or know, Firmino missed basically the last two months of the season, didn't he, with the problem that he had? But you realistically, I think, you know, I, I think you can only name a squad of 25 in the Premier League anyway, can't you? you certainly can, the Champions League,
3: League yeah, can't Yeah, yeah. But
0: like the, the kids and all things yeah. like that. But, yeah. but, but you know, right, see, so, so you've got the big three there. Firmino, you know, I've, I've seen a couple of reports today, Origi is expected to sign his new deal. Mm. And, you know, I, I very much hope that's the case because not just kind is of like he's this. Mad little talismanic iconic figurehead that pops <laughs> up to score goals that we'll remember for the rest of our lives. I do think he's a good young player that has it, that is improving, has improved, and is going to improve further. And he's got an awful lot more still to come from it. And I want it. I want it to. Be, I want it to be in a red shirt. Klopp has spoken many times about Rian Brewster and how much he rates him, um, not just in terms of his ability, but in terms of his character and his mentality. He's already a proven winner in terms of helping inspire the England under under. 17s, was yeah. it? To World yeah. Cup glory in India a couple of years ago. And uh, you would hope as well after the, you know, he basically had a year out with injury, but showed a lot of character and, and determination to get back with it and, and I think struck up quite a good part of friendship with Oxley chamberlain So, realistically, that's, that's your five strikers, the the big three, plus, plus them two. So, even if there's a part of me in my head that would kind of like, obviously, you'd, you'd, you wouldn't object necessarily to seeing another one brought in. Is anyone going to have six strikers next season? <laughs> You know, I, I just don't think that's realistic or feasible. So I think if, if there was one area, it's maybe cre- you know, attacking midfield, creativity for midfield. And, and if that's someone that you can throw up front into a striking position as well, I think you, you, the impression I get with Klopp is that he likes players that can play in one or two positions. Mm. Then maybe that's something to consider. But I don't think we you know there's any great call on my path anyway to, to go out and say you've got to bring a strike because we're already fairly well stocked in that area.
3: Well that's it with the strikers as well the likes of Mane, Salah and Origi as Dan just said you can all play in different positions if Origi has to play out wide left if Mane's out or yeah. whatever it, it works and with that if say was injured and Origi was out you could ha- easily put Mane in the middle or Salah in the middle and then you've got the players like Shaqiri like Wijnaldum um Oxlade Chamberlain, Kater, who can play in these different roles as like part of that front three. Like there were times when album did it last year, there were times when Kater did it. And obviously Shakidi in the early part of the season was doing the same thing. So the options when you look at it, there's about eight and nine probably who can play in that front three, given and what's the chances of nine of them being injured at the same time really. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're fine. If somebody comes in happy days, but if they don't, let's go
1: with it. Peter, you know, we've, we've mentioned certain players there, but we only mentioned them earlier in passing it was Harry Wilson and Ryan Kent. You know, Harry Wilson has ripped it up in the Championship for the last year and a half now. And if he if he was to be sold, you, you're talking 25, 30 million for him. Ryan Kent was speaking to some, one of his uh, teammates at Rangers the other week for the podcast. And he said he's, he's an absolute talent. You know, I know it's a step below, isn't it? The, the Scottish Premiership to uh, the Premier League and certainly to the top of the Premier League. But... It's like what we're saying here, if, if Liverpool aren't going to sign that big name, but they do need just maybe a little bit of added depth, aren't these the kind of players who should be getting the chance, or if they want to stay at the club, because they may want to go and play regular football, play those 40, 50 games a season, but aren't these the players already on the books?
2: I would hope so. It's the loss of Sturridge does you know automatically make you think, well, surely they need a striker. He, has, he did play you an know, important part in, in the season, um, and you think if Origi's new deal is wrapped up, and then Klopp looks to one or both of uh, Wilson or Ken to say, "Well, I'm keeping this one. Then he's going to fill that role. He can play in that front three when as required. That will put you know me at ease, um, especially if it's Wilson. Um, I've seen a few games of him in the championship. Um, I've said before that you would have recalled him from his loan just for his set pieces. Just mm-hmm. to add that it was." Some of the goals he scored against Man United as well, it was a work of genius, um, you might say. And you'd want that in your team. Um, I think he'd be my number one choice to to pick, to keep if you're not going to sign a different striker. I don't know who you would sign in, in terms of, you know, that phrase, Premier League proven striker gets thrown about, but I don't know what player is out there available that could fill that gap that, that Sturge is in, but... Harry Wilson seems ready to.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We'll
1: see come Thursday night, I'm sure he'll be involved at Prenton Park. But just a quick one on Origi. No concerns about his his contact. Because the only way I think, do you think maybe in his head... What happened last season will never be bettered. You know the Derby goal, Newcastle, Barcelona. Do you almost do you think there's any in his in his head thinking you know what? I, I could just leave here. They're going to build a statue. I'm a legend. I <laughs> could a You just, be I just, I just, you just wonder, don't again, you? Do you wonder it? because anything he does now, even if he scores 15 yeah, he goals not. next season, probably won't be as good. But or do you think that that what has happened these last Huregi, six months? Devo since Huregi's, he's got to stay,
3: yeah. David career has just been scoring these big goals. So, <laughs> go and score the goal at wins Liverpool the title. Yeah. But like I was, t- It was mad. I was having a conversation with my brother last night about him and he described him as their coward Pace and it's probably, <laughs> it's absolutely spot on. Big games, big moments, big div. Yeah,
1: <laughs> That's the title of the podcast there, folks. <laughs> hard, to, hard to top that, I
0: think. Um, I, I, I couldn't agree more with what Paul's saying. I, mean, I don't know, I've always had, I've seen a couple of interviews with the Rigi early on in his Liverpool career and he had a diff- bit of a difficult start because I, th- I think you know, we signed him then. Did he go back to Lille for a yeah, while? and he had a he bad time and struggled a little yeah. bit. But So it, th- there was already kind of a little bit of pressure on him when he came in. And he was still a young lad moving to a foreign country. It's he's, he's clear he's an intelligent lad. You know, mm. he, he could speak a few languages. It's clear he's he's, he's read a book or two. And, but also I think that he's got, a, for a young, for, you know, still a young man, he seems to have a good perspective on mm. the game, his career, and 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 where and, and also, you know, Edward, certainly in the last couple of months of the season, <clears throat> the number of times I'd hear him talking, he wouldn't just be talking about himself. And, you know, I, th- I think he was I'm sure he was interviewed on the pitch after the Barcelona game, and obviously Evan was still <laughs> delirious <clears throat> with elation of what happened. <clears throat> and the interviewer was kind of oh, so you, you, you stepped into Mo Salah and, and you, you how was that for, for kind of making people forget about Salah? And straight away it was like, no, it's not about me, it's about the team. And I know You know, a lot of footballers maybe are trains in terms of what to say and, what, and how to say it and whatever, but I just can't shake the impression that, that he's, he's got a good head on his shoulders. I think he really appreciates what it is to play for Liverpool. You often hear him talking about not just the team, but the club and the city. And, you know, we all obviously, he is written into Liverpool folklore. He's, he is immortal to a certain degree. But I don't know, I, I with some players you would worry about that would it go to the head and would they just kind of like toss it off now and think, oh, well, I'm a legend now, I can do whatever I want. I don't think he's going to be like that. I think he, you know, in the old Ronnie Moran tradition of what you've done last season counts for nothing now, boys. Mm -hmm. You know, you you start on zero, everyone's got to go ahead and prove themselves and Jurgen Klopp seems cut cut from the same cloth to a certain degree And, and I will be staggered and very, very disappointed if Origi is not a big part of Liverpool's future, not just next season, but for for quite a few seasons to come.
3: You forget how young he is as well. I mean, he four, yeah. is he? He's been around for ages, mm. like eighteen,
0: nineteen wasn't yeah yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was in that Jordan World Cup, wasn't it? Was it what year was that World Cup, yeah. 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 But going back on that, uh Origi know what the fans think about him. Why would he want to leave that? Really?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, Sturridge is probably a good example because I think he realised what's out there for him. Didn't he when he went on loan to West Brom well, and they came yeah. back this Sturridge season? To West and, Brom and, and, gets uh, oh, yeah, on loan the World to Cup, um, But and didn't although, great, and then, did, and then he scored final? big goals. <laughs> scored big goals. Didn't get many, did he? But you know, Chelsea away, Paris Saint at home, like maybe that's a good lesson for, for Diboch we will see uh, but obviously he played a massive part in the success last season and another person was Alison Becker uh, and I don't know if you guys have seen the stats that are knocking around after he helped Brazil, Brazil win the Copa America at the weekend but I'll read a few here I've got them wrote down obviously the Champions League and the Copper America he's won he's the first keeper in history to win a hat trick of Golden Glove awards in a single season and he finished the season this is unbelievable with 36 clean sheets from his 62 appearances for club and country and that was the same <laughs> amount of goals he considered so he had 36 oh. goals conceded, 36 clean sheets. I, I think uh, he has got very, very good shouts for it to be the best goalkeeper in the world, if not certainly in the top two or three. But is he a, a very worthy candidate for the Ballon d'Or? We've been talking about Van Dijk, understandably, for, to rival Messi and, and probably Ronaldo for the award when it's announced later this year. But should we be looking at Alisson as well? I think he's absolutely got to be in the conversation. You know, the,
0: it's been a bit of a closed shop, hasn't it, you know, the, by and large, over the last dec- decade or so between Messi and Ronaldo. And obviously both of them posted the numbers they tend to post you know, most seasons, again, in 2018-19. But you know, football is about what you put on the table at the end of it. And Alisson has put arguably two of the biggest trophies in. World, well, well, basically the two biggest trophies he could have won last mm. season. The Champions of Europe... Um, for his club side and the champions of South America for his nation, I think people were already saying if uh, Van Dyke w- if if Holland were to win the Nations League, then that absolutely cements Van Dyke as the Ballon d'Or. Um, well, it's the same kind of principle really should apply for Allison. Now it's massively splitting hairs. The, you know, it, it's it's always impossible to choose between them. Gun to my head, I probably would slightly say. Van Dyke maybe slightly edges it if, if I was giving out the trophy themselves, but if Allison is not in the top three, I will be fuming. well yeah <laughs> Fuming. <laughs> oh, I'll get over it. But I, won't yeah, be right yeah.
3: <laughs> I love the man. You know, I said in the last podcast, he's wonderful. Oh, Van Dyke was my favourite Liverpool player. Allison is now my favourite Liverpool wow. player. I, I said in the last podcast, I absolutely adore him. I think he's boss. I think. The way he acted on the pitch, full time. Yeah, I've, I loved
0: him even more on the pitch and on the bus.
3: Yeah, he, yeah. He, to say he's been at Liverpool, he is well less than he is just mad. Um, what I would like to say about him is, it's crazy when you think about how good he's been and how good he is going to be. Like the second half of last season, he went up another level. Mm. Um, I think the Napoli save in December was. You know, okay. It wasn't a turning point because he'd done the business so far, but I think the squad got used to what he was about and then he just didn't stop really like what What? what was it one goal conceded in the ten? last 10 club and country games and it's games. only a penalty it and if he won at that yeah like he's so consistent I can't you can't really think of many mistakes or games where you look back and go Navy. maybe maybe uh, the two Leicester games, uh, that's about
1: yeah. it. He had that, he had that, that nervy game to against Tottenham, didn't he? But that was apart yeah, from was, that. I can't, but. Once a,
0: he let a soft one into Lingard, the, the, the Man United game at yeah. home. But yeah. well, the one thing I like about him is that, you know, was it Napoleon always said, give me lucky generals? Yeah. Well, was, so far, anyway, when he's made mistakes, there have been times when they don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Pepe was was a very, very good goalkeeper. For me, he was never a great goalkeeper. But the problem I always had with him was that he didn't make many mistakes. But when he did, they were always at yeah. big times and crucial mm-hmm. times. Now, it's, we only had one season of Allison, obviously, and it's been an amazing one, but so far he just seems to have that lucky knack of picking the right time. And he's like, yeah, we're all built to fail. He will make mistakes. He will make the odd clangor, but it seems like he's got the, not just the ability, but the mental resilience. It? Arrogance? Mm. So it's kind of arrogance, but it's a, a kind of... A, a gl- con- absolute <clears throat> confidence in himself, yeah. Confidence he? He? And, and just mental fortitude to accept that you're going to make a mistake, but that doesn't mean you have to go to pieces. And unfortunately, we have seen goalkeepers and other players in the past who can be great for a long period of time. Make one Rick and the head falls off. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen with him or or hardly any of our lot nowadays.
2: I think there's always a debate on how do you judge the Ballon d'Or really? It's usually always the attacking players and the conversation is like, do you judge him on individual um, achievements? You've read the stats there. They speak to themselves. Do you judge him on what you win as part of your team? He's won the two competitions beating Messi in both of those competitions. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. Point, so yeah. it's, yeah. why not beat him for the hat-trick and get the Ballon d'Or this year? Um, defensive players are often overlooked.
1: The
0: as a goalie ever won it? Like it can't,
1: Levy Ashen. The great Levy Ashin. The Soviet Union, only one like of
0: them.
1: 50s, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of like, every year Messi should win it if it goes on who's the best footballer in the world. Mm-hmm. But it should be more than that, shouldn't it? Because it surely goes on achievements as a collective and an individual. As Peter said there, he, he ticks all the boxes. Mm.
3: Yeah, he's ticked all the boxes and but it's like it, like as I mentioned before he's the third favourite but you've got to look at Van Dijk and go he deserves to win it mm. his achievements and his consistency over the last 18 months since he signed for Liverpool but then what you've got to think about Van Dijk is the best defender of the planet who's next like you're going miles down like Do know, up, obviously, but <laughs> <the laughs> <the laughs> like, whereas with the goalkeepers Alisson then probably Edison they're quite close mm. Messi Ronaldo speak for themselves. Yeah. But yeah. No, over, over, over the last year, Van Dyke has been head and shoulders above everybody in his position and probably the most consistent player on the planet, really. Mm. So I'm not bothered if he wins it or not, but yeah.
0: No, I, be, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think one of them's got to win it. And, yeah. I, and the reason why, this is the, the last point I want to make on this is, is applies to both of them. We talk about the different attributes Peter was just saying about, you know, is it trophies, is it goals, is it clean sheets, whatever. But I think one of the key the key aspects that the the the, the, the judges, I don't know if they do consider, but they should, should be considering, is impact and influence. Um, for both of them, you, you know, from any outsider looking in, and obviously from people from within, the two of those players, when they've come in, have had enormous impact on influence on the dressing room, on the team, and on results. And that, to me, I think, should be the determining factor in who wins these awards. And so, some years it'll be different, you know. So, you know, some if someone's got 70 goals or something, then that's different. But if there's no, no outstanding figure in terms of numbers, then to me, it's down to impact and influence, and I would defy anyone to say any other player globally that's had a bigger, bigger impact on influence over the last twelve months.
3: John Marston, you know like, oh, shut yeah. up, I should I just had that like a look at the odds on the uh, Ballon d'Or today. Just curious. Uh, I enjoy a little flutter every now and <laughs> but um, it means absolutely nothing. But four of the top six of Liverpool players. Wow. It's it, it it's Van Dijk, Messi. Alisson, Ronaldo, Salah, Mane. Like, that says a lot about Liverpool where they're at right now. Uh, it's Absolutely. probably a
1: good point because like, I don't think they need this justification. I think if, they, if there was any part of them that they did, they would have seen on the streets of Liverpool after the Champions League victory. But if you think, see things like this as a player, you're like, Liverpool are European champions. Season before last, we're runners-up. Four of our players are in the top six, maybe, of the balance. Or what kind of message does that send out to players across the world? Like, even, you know, like we, we all, all jokes a little bit about Mbappe, but players like that, surely when the time comes, the numbers would be absolutely astronomical. But, you know, why wouldn't you be looking? When were we joking?
0: Was also- <laughs> <laughs> well, what what it says is that if you're going to play for Liverpool, good things are going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. But also, I think the other key factor, what what players would be observing when they look at Liverpool is that not just that you're going to be in contention for the big prizes you know you're going to improve as a player you're going to have a good time you're going to enjoy yourself you know the one aspect that um, we all observed at Manchester United over, over that over the spell under joy under Jose Marino was that it all looked so joyless all right they won a couple of a couple of pots in the first season and you know they were you know, never exactly finished in the bottom half of the table but it all looked so miserable and such hard work and you know, I yeah, defy anyone to look at what's been happening in Anfield over the last couple of seasons, and it's not just been delivering the kind of results that owners, directors, supporters want to see. It's everything; virtually everything's been done with a smile on the face and that kind of joie de vivre, that an enjoyment that surely football is supposed to be all about. And that arguably is as an important aspect as anything else.
3: For me, it's been more fun than the period of Rafa. Than yeah, than yeah, th- like 100%. between what two thousand seven to about two thousand nine.
0: Like- yeah. Well, five to nine. Yeah, we've been competitive for four years,
3: really. But but that that period when we were the number one seed in order, like that's been. There was a lot else going on with the club as well, I suppose.
0: To be fair, but no, it's I I would never want to throw Rafa under the bus or anything. But it's a different feel to the whole club now, and why? As we said, why
1: wouldn't anybody want to be part of that? And it all starts again Thursday, Princeton Park. Uh, I don't think anyone in this room is going, but Paul, you will be going to Bradford on Sunday. But how long are you going to last in the ground? That is the question. (laughs) And why am I asking Um, that question?
3: (laughs) I'm not going to put a number on it. Um, (laughs) We'll see. Hopefully it's a bit longer than Berry last year, Um, 22 seconds. (laughs) That was because we just agreed that, well there was no beer allowed in the ground so we couldn't go and have a pint at half time or whatever. So we agreed. First throwing and we're out. It was 22 <laughs> seconds. I think it was Fabinho who put the ball out the
0: place. So Did you have a bet
3: on it? <laughs> uh oh. No, no spot fixing. In the here no, you, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually looking forward to Bradford. It's a ground I've never been <clears> to um, and I think it's worth mentioning for the the really good cause as well. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Massively, yeah. So yeah, if, I think everyone who's going to be there will be massively supporting it so yeah like obviously joking about I probably won't see the full game but it's good cause good test um, good chance to see a um, few lads you don't really get to see so yeah I'm looking forward to it and but I can't wait for Norwich I just want that here now I'm ready <laughs> five weeks is enough I'm craving it again do you like
0: pre-season Dan? do I like pre-season <clears throat> Um I think, like Paul, I'm just about starting to feel ready for it now. So even last week, I was like, you know, the, the tension, the anxiety of those last few weeks of the season, obviously, I did the wonderful payoff, but I really, really was ready for a rest. And um, But yeah, we're into July now. Um, and yeah, seeing them starting to come back for training this week and the international things wrapping up. Um, I don't know if we are going to do that, this in the sec, but I've already jotted down a couple of things in terms of a handful of little pre-season memories. Well, the, the, <laughs> the first tram Liverpool friendly, I, I can remember, was just after John Aldridge signed for them. I think it was in 1991. And it was the, I mean, obviously... I think after he'd like, come back from Sociedad. After he'd come back from Sociedad. Um, and I think I'm, the last few years were never li- Liverpool tram has been like the first pre-season one. This one was the Monday before the season started. So it was kind of like Liverpool had just signed, paid 500 million for Dean Saunders and Mark Wright, yeah. broken the transfer records. Double deal, was not it? But Liverpool lost 1 0 and John Aldridge scored the, <laughs> scored the goal. <laughs> and, uh, and it felt like a cup time. we going to that yeah. game and kind of like it, that did not feel like a pre season, um, whatever. So, the, um, the the couple of little highlights Gary McAllister um, scoring on his Anfield debut against Palmer in 2000, a pouring rain and there was a bit, yeah, you know, a bit of a few eyebrows raised when we signed him on a free transfer that summer from Coventry at the age of thirty-five, mm-hmm. I think he was. But um, even if it was maybe really the latter stages of that 2000-2001 season that he really started to kick on, that's one that kind of stands out in the mind. Pepe Reina playing in midfield a couple of years, maybe like was, f- was against Karjalainen. Maybe yeah, I, think it was, I want to say it was in Switzerland cause <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah. Cause it was somewhere in the middle of Europe, and so that shows that. You can't take preseason season too seriously because it is just an element of getting them back into the rhythms and the routines of training and playing again. Um, but for me, the standout memory would have to be six years ago when I was very fortunate to go and cover for the Echo along with uh, our dear departed James Pearson, and uh, Jason Robertson, the dear departed Echo member of staff, photographer, um, went to Indonesia and Australia and Thailand and to see uh, 95,000 in the, the Melbourne Cricket Ground, Belt Mountain, you Never Walk Alone, and I had to see the passion of... 80,000 fans in Jakarta and uh, be able to bring a very special bag flag back to the cop afterwards from Indonesia. That'll that's something that will stay with me forever.
3: My other pre-season memories on top that um, Rafa Wage induction 2005. <laughs> I did, yeah.
0: That's still good, using kind of in I The, cup the, on the, pitch, uh, the European they? Cup yeah. was on the yeah. pitch, yeah. Um,
3: yeah, And then <laughs> another one where it lasted about five minutes was when we the first game against Celtic in Dublin in summer 2013. Mignolet like, played and I can remember watching it like, I was there for about five minutes well got in the ground about half an hour before I thought oh come and have a, b- a beer before started and oh no we're only selling bottles of water I was like oh, <laughs> we're in Ireland come on <laughs> so yeah got there watched about five minutes ten minutes and I was like looked at him and thought, oh we're going to be rubbish this year <laughs> got off went back to Boozer turned out nearly won the we, league. we nearly <laughs> won the league yeah um, Yeah. so the three of my memories I um,
1: happy days you're going to be watching Tramia on LFC TV while you're working
2: I will be yeah if I can get away with it yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh we shouldn't say that on the podcast we? <laughs> <laughs> should
3: we Steve, Sage if you <laughs> listen
1: <laughs> keep an
2: eye on it yeah them. try and watch it as much as they can uh, I think this is the first pre-season in a long time where I felt so excited for it um, I can't remember being this excited for a pre-season in a long time I think trying to see those young players seeing Oxlade-Chamberlain it's like it's going to be enjoyable. The only of memory I have, recent memories, that uh, there was a Barcelona friendly at Wembley. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I remember yeah. that. Um,
0: Grujic's header.
2: Yeah, because no, I-, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually was in uh, Wales at the time for a <laughs> university reunion. just remember there was a corner of Man United fans, so I just tried to wind them up as if it was a Champions League <laughs> game. <Get ill>. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. The shows are going to be Champions League winners now. Come
3: on. The funny thing about that Barca game, actually, uh, just quickly... We beat Barcelona 4-0 at Wembley and people, like so, as you can imagine, social media went mad. The next day, a different side played, was it FC? 5-0 F- at Minesquad. Mines Mines. yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. The people who were made up would beat Barcelona. Uh, Clap out, we're, we're
0: going
3: to get uh, relegated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These seasons are great, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Uh, no doubt we'll be covering it on the Echo, won't we, over these next few days and then when the lads go across to America for the tour, just got to say thanks very much for, for joining us, lads, for this podcast. There'll be more to come in, in the coming weeks. And just to add what Phil Bowe was saying there about the Bradford game on Sundays it's to do with Stephen Darby. is yeah. a former Liverpool and Bradford player who uh, sadly in 2018 uh, was diagnosed with motor neuron disease. There is a, a foundation being formed uh, to raise money for it. There's thousands upon thousands of pounds already being done so. And if you check it out if you Google it, you'll be able to find it and if you'd you'd like to donate that'd be great but uh dan peter Bill, thank you very much
0: you've been listening to the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo